Welcome to episode 38 of the Business in Morocco podcast. Today we're going to be talking about a subject that Franklin Covey does a training on called the five choices, the path to extraordinary productivity. But before we get to that, let's uh, do some updates. Ryan, you've been traveling around the world. You are back in Morocco. What's going on? Tell us about what you've been doing. Yeah, it's good to be home. When you travel some places, it makes you really grateful for where you live. So I spent nine days in Saudi Arabia. It's my first trip over there. Um, some of you may, may be aware that Saudi Arabia has started to open up to tourism. And so just they passed the law on September 27th for 49 different countries they can now get a tourist visa for Saudi. I fit within those 49 countries, was able to take advantage quite quickly on this business trip. I spent a couple days in a small city called Tabuk in the north, kind of west, northwest of Saudi. Worked at a university there. There's some students that are going over to the U.S. on a scholarship and they're going to study hospitality so that they can work at Neom. Have you heard much about Neom? This is the city that they're building? This yeah. oasis? Exactly. So I hadn't heard of Neom before. I'm not sure how well known it is, but um, you know the, the new prince of Saudi has issued a lot of changes in the country. And one of his initiatives is building this new mega city, almost like a, a new Dubai in many ways. Right now, there's just this huge piece of land that is kind of between Egypt and Jordan and Saudi. And it's just rock desert, you know, mountains, and it's on the, the border of the ocean. So they have access to salt water, but there's nothing there. And they plan on building a mega city 30 times the size of Manhattan, 30 times the size of New York City. They're going to, you know, desalinate the ocean water. They're going to harness wind and solar energy. They're going to you know, grow food themselves in greenhouses and just build this modern um, uber green city. Because Saudi hasn't really had a lot of tourism, there's not a lot of people within the country that are trained and equipped to work in the industry. So mm -hmm. these students are preparing for that. They're going to study that as their career and go on to work at Neom. Sounds like a great initiative. I, I have read some things about that city. It's very ambitious, yeah. what they're trying to do. Yeah. But I think they do know that uh, eventually their oil is going to run out. Yeah. And so they need to diversify their economy. Although I was reading the other day that even with oil prices at about 50 to 60 US dollars per barrel, Saudi Aramco, the state-owned oil company in Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. they produce more profit every year than Google and Facebook and Apple combined. Combined. Unbelievable. Yeah. Can you believe that? It's, it's unbelievable yeah. the amount of money. Imagine if oil prices went back to $100. Yeah. Oh, it's just insane. I mean, Saudi Arabia, they discovered oil in 1938. And so you think in less than 100 years that country has completely transformed. But I love the vision, like we've done a podcast on long-term thinking. So potentially they're thinking the oil's gonna run out. 
Or they're thinking, even if it doesn't run out, the world is shifting and we want to move towards sustainable forms of energy. And we don't want future generations just growing up with wealth handed to them and assuming that they don't need to offer any value to the world. And so they're trying to diversify their economy, increase their sources of revenue. Um, and it's, it's, it's admirable. It's exciting. And like you said, that vision is extremely ambitious. I mean, I, other than Elon Musk wanting to colonize Mars, I can't think of other projects going on in the world that are anywhere near as ambitious as this one. It's good to see. I, I like to see Saudi Arabia opening up, mm -hmm. welcoming people from around the world, different ideas, different opinions, and diversifying their economy. After my time in Tabuk, I went to Riyadh, the capital city, and I spent four days doing a training with the PIF, the Public Investment Fund. So with all this money that Saudi has made through selling oil, they're trying to grow it and multiply it. Again, this just fits into the long-term thinking, recognizing that even though you've got revenue coming in, you don't want to just spend every cent. You don't want to spend 100%. And it fits exactly into rich dad, poor dad type thinking where they're, they're taking their income and with a big portion of it, they're growing it. They're buying assets or investing in businesses that generate more wealth for them. So they're taking their profits from oil and creating profits from the profits. And so the guys that I was training on uh, what we're going to talk about today, the five choices to extraordinary productivity, they're from the division that works on local holdings. So they're investing in local Saudi companies, could be startups, could be well-established uh, companies that already exist, that they invest in, that they help manage. And it, they were interesting guys because they're not just focused on revenue and that, that those aren't their only criteria for success. They're also wanting to invest in things that benefit the country in other areas. So, for example, if they were to buy a sports team um, and invest in, in that sort of industry or the entertainment industry, well, they could generate a profit and they could look at their return on investment. But they're also thinking about the social benefits to the country and you know, diversifying the forms of entertainment available to the public. So they're thinking not just about uh, financial criteria, they're also thinking about other ways to invest in the nation. So that was neat. Um, these guys are, I think, pretty typical for most business professionals these days where they use Outlook and it's very, very easy to just let your inbox rule your life and just take over your life. And there's some parts of it that are outside of our control. You know, when our bosses schedule a meeting, typically we don't have a lot of options. We need to be there. Um, when international calls are scheduled and they're important, we need to be there. But it's easy to build up these bad habits where they're just spending all day just putting out fires, just replying to emails. In essence, they're, they're moving paper around but not necessarily moving forward on their most important goals. And I think the leadership recognized this as an issue, which is why I came in to, to do this training on the five choices. So, Which is specifically designed to improve productivity. Exactly, yeah. We'll get into that, but I've already done a huge long update. Let's shift it back to you and, and hear uh, what's been new for you. I've mentioned in the last few weeks 
starting this club, yeah. the Entrepreneurs Club of Casablanca. I think last week when I gave an update, I had about 20 people who submitted their applications, and now we're up to 50. So oh, wow. There's definitely some interest. I think yeah. I've, I've hit a nerve here among people who really want to start their own business. They want to be entrepreneurs or auto entrepreneurs. They feel like the options available to them to meet people like them, to learn, to grow. There are not a lot of good options. Mm -hmm. You can go to some of these schools, you can try to get advanced degrees, but that's a lot of commitment and it's a lot of money. And often the curriculum is outdated mm. or it's being taught by someone who may never have done those types of things. The goal of this club is to bring together people who are actually doing business, who have skills, who can help each other, who can learn from each other and grow together. The goal being everyone growing their own business in community, in an encouraging environment that can help uh, overcome a lot of the obstacles that you face as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I'm, I've had a good response. I will mention now to those who are listening and who have not yet submitted an application. Uh, I do encourage you to submit an application, but make sure you answer all the questions. And especially the most important question is, why do you want to be a member of this club? And what do you want to do? What are your goals? What are your dreams? What are your desires? Because this club, not everybody who applies is going to be become a member. Yeah, You have to be someone who is serious about this business, someone who's willing to pay 200 dirhams a month to meet regularly, someone who will contribute to the community uh, and be a productive member. Some people filled out, out the application and in the part where it says, why do you want to be a member, they left it blank. Well, that's just not going to work. Right. You really need to convince me that you're going to be a productive member of the club because that's the way that the club will thrive yeah. is to have people who are committed to the club who will contribute and be good members. Yeah. And that's what we're looking for. And you, you had mentioned previously that you could end up splitting off and having two, two groups or two clubs but initially, what's the total number you can accept? I think 25, 25 is the right number. I have some promotions going right now for the club that are gonna expire in two days. And when those expire, I'm going to turn off the ads and compile all the information I have from the applications. And I'm going to re-engage everyone who's applied. Yeah. Because one of the first lessons of being an entrepreneur is timely responses to clients yeah. or vendors, yeah. being a good communicator. So if you want to be a part of the club and you submit an application and I reply to you and ask questions and you never respond, well that's an indication that you're probably not going to be a good member of the club. Yeah. So there's going to be more steps, more hurdles that people are going to have to overcome in order to be invited to the first meeting um, where really I'm hoping that only serious people who have a good work, work ethic and a good sense of communication will be welcomed. And this almost has nothing to do with experience. It has to do with desire and attitude and character. Character, yeah. You don't have to be a successful entrepreneur. You don't have to be someone who works in a big company. You just have to demonstrate passion and commitment to the club. 
We want a wide variety of people with a wide variety of education and backgrounds and that will create uh, the best environment to help everyone succeed. So if you think, oh, I don't have any experience as an entrepreneur, or I don't have a lot of work experience, so I shouldn't try to join the club, that's not correct. Show that you're passionate, show that you can communicate and be responsive, and you'll be given a chance. Yeah. So are you still thinking November? Yeah, the goal is, is late November, early December. I still have a lot of work to do in the office to make it ready to host an event like that. So time will tell, Yeah, time will tell. I'll keep everybody updated, but I do have a goal of November uh, to have the first meeting. Well, I can say it's exciting to be recording this in the office. This is my first time visiting, seeing the space, uh, great location and great space. I'm excited to see, yeah, lots of uh, hungry, ambitious entrepreneurs filling it and masterminding and um, pushing each other towards success. And I'm really encouraged that so many people have applied already, that there is a response. I think you, you hit it. You've struck a nerve. There's a need here. Yeah. Uh, in other news, I've mentioned before, one of my clients who's a painter, I've been trying to get a distribution deal uh, to sell his paintings in Duty Free. and. I have delivered the, the paintings and the display to the distributor. I have delivered the facture. So it's out of our hands now. Wow. So we finally made it. The product should get delivered this week and hopefully next week the, it'll be on display in the shops and duty free. But let's get into the topic of the, of the day, which is the five choices, the path to extraordinary productivity. Ryan, you're the expert. Why don't you uh, give us an intro to the topic? Okay, well, the course is based on a book that was written by a woman named Corey Kogan, and then she had a couple other uh, co-authors that were with her on that book. And you can follow along on the book. Um, it, it matches the course. You can also just look for it on YouTube and kind of cover the, the key ideas. But the basic premise is that nowadays, a lot of people in the world are creating value in the marketplace with their knowledge, their knowledge workers. And so their brain is what produces value for them. It's what they get paid for. It's what they use as their asset. And, but that means that they're making more and more and more decisions every day. So because of technology, because we all have a smartphone and we have a laptop and multiple email addresses, every ping, every WhatsApp, every email is a decision. You have to look at the incoming, assess what it is, clarify whether it's important or not, and then choose how you're going to deal with it. Whether it's to ignore the message, whether it's to open it and respond right away, whether it's to file it away, forward it on, you've got to make so many decisions. And we've learned so much about our brains and the way our minds work in the last 20 years. And we learned that our, our willpower, our decision-making ability, it, it depletes throughout the day. And we make better decisions when our brain is fresh and when we're uh, able to focus. But then over time, it can get tired and we can give less and less conscious attention or concentration on decisions. Which is why, you know, you can think of a lot of people making poor decisions in the evenings. And some of our listeners will be able to relate that they're not as 
ambitious or motivated they give in to temptations or they say yeah yeah tonight when I get home from my long day of work or school that's when I'm going to go exercise that's when I'm going to go work out or I'm going to hit the books but how many times do we set out with that ambition but then we're just beat we're exhausted and we end up just tuning out with a screen or some junk food at the end of the day so we have all these decisions that are wearing us down and we have all these competing forces trying to grab our attention, trying to capture our attention. That makes it very difficult to be productive, to be fruitful because we're distracted and we have trouble clarifying what's really important. Are you looking for books in English in Morocco? Well, search no more www.englishbooks.ma is a new Moroccan online bookstore specializing in English books. Order from a huge selection of more than 100,000 titles that can be delivered all over Morocco. The website features an express delivery section which offers titles guaranteed to arrive at your door in three days or less. Many of the books we have recommended on this podcast are available so check out EnglishBooks.ma and start shopping and reading. Now back to the show. And so the course basically follows these areas where first you're deciding. You're really deciding, you know what, I want to be fruitful. I want to live my life with meaning. I want to be productive. And so I really want to give my time, my energy, my attention. These are things that are finite, they're limited, we only have so much of them. I want to give these things to what's really important to me. And that might include what's important to my employer, because keeping my job is important and I want to please my superiors, I want to do well, perform at work. But I need to decide what is important for me in my life. That's a decision that we make. And then we shift to having to give our attention to those things that are important. So in the course, we cover some of the stuff that we've talked about in this podcast on our episode about deep work, where we talk about taming technology and some of the the hacks that, that we've shared about turning off notifications or going into different time zones where you're really focused on something that's at the edge of your cognitive ability. You know, when you're trying to communicate something that's challenging, you're trying to simplify a complex idea, or you're trying to be creative. These things do not happen easily. We need to really focus and give our conscious attention to them. And if we just stop to answer a text or quickly refresh our notifications on social media, we have that issue of attention residue, where we can't get back to the the depth of concentration we were in before for a significant amount of time. And people that fool themselves into believing that they can multitask, that they can jump back and forth between deep concentration tasks and light, simple, menial tasks or even fun social media distractions, they're really fooling themselves. You can't actually do it. So you're, you're losing productivity rather than just devoting blocks of time to these set activities and keeping them separate. I'm one of those people still. Yeah. Even though episode two, we talked about deep work. Yeah. And I acknowledge that I try to multitask or I, I think that it's a better way of doing it. 
Uh, but I do fall into these traps of notifications and and multitasking, um, responding to the urgent. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the first choice, right? The first choice is act on the important, don't react to the urgent. Mm-hmm. Urgent being something that provides you a notification, a WhatsApp notification on your phone, if you have a sound associated with an email that you receive, these all convey urgency, right? but not importance. Yeah. So what you're saying is the first choice is you have to actively choose between activities and focus on them. Yeah. When my phone is ringing, it could be crucial. It could be really important. It could be a loved one that's in need. It could be my boss calling with a, a crisis. Could be something that takes precedence over what I'm working on, or it could be nothing. It could be, you know, a salesperson or just a trivial friend that wants to just call and say, "How's it going?" It could be way down my list of priorities to what I'm working on. I don't know, but when I stop doing what I'm doing to check that that notification or to answer that call, I'm I'm losing focus on that current task. I'm acting on the urgent. I'm reacting rather than than choosing to keep my attention on what's really important. Once we've chosen our activities, we've made a list or we've prioritized the activities of the day or the tasks that are important to us, the second choice is to go for extraordinary, don't settle for ordinary. What does that mean? So the basic idea, it's it's a bit of a motivational section of the course where we're encouraging people that they have the potential, they have the capacity to do great things in line with what's important to them. So not all of us are gonna be in the headlines globally. Not all of us are gonna have biographies written about us. And not many of us want that kind of life. We're not willing to sacrifice other areas of our life to accomplish great things in one section. But all of us have the opportunity to influence our circles around us, to give our lives to things we deem as worthwhile and meaningful, to contribute in a significant way. We've all got a purpose. And so the the second choice is to really inspire people to think through kind of like mission statement type stuff where you're thinking through what's what am I all about? What are the significant roles that I play in this world? And one of the parts of the course is to help people think not just of their work-related roles. Even though we're, I'm teaching this in a professional setting and people are there with their company, um, we try to encourage them to think also about their personal life. We talk about roles that we're not just entrepreneurs, we're not just teachers or business leaders. We're also children or siblings or parents or spouses or you know, followers of Jesus or Muslims or community members or soccer players. We have all these different roles and and some of those might be very, very important and really close to the core of what we think we're here to do. And so thinking through those areas can help people create more balance and choose to give their time and attention and energy to the things that are, are really, truly meaningful to them. And, th- and this is not easy, right? I look at my list Husband, father, friend, business owner, podcaster, yeah. club founder, neighbor, <laughs> son, brother, and I say, which of these do I get rid of? Or 
which of these do I deprioritize? Mm-hmm. And this is not an easy choice. No. But I guess what you're saying is, even if we don't make a priority in our minds, our actions prioritize these things, right? We are choosing, yeah. So the this gets into the third choice, which is to schedule the most important things. Because we are spending our time. You can't save your time, you can't store it up, you can't pause and think about what you should do. Every minute that goes by, we've chosen, right? So at, we have 168 hours in a week and we use it every week. And most of us feel there's more we could do that at the end of a week, there's some stuff we didn't get to. There's some relationships we didn't invest in, uh, a family member we didn't call, an email we didn't reply to, something on our to-do list didn't get done. And the idea with the second and third choice is that you're making sure that it's things of lesser importance that get dropped or that get pushed out of your schedule. And so you're, you're establishing what's really important to you and then you're scheduling it to make sure it's getting your attention. For me, the big rocks are usually the things I don't want to do, <laughs> right? Because they take a lot of time, they take effort, creativity, brain power, yeah. or maybe it's something involving overcoming a fear like a sales call yeah, or returning to a sales call. Yeah. A lot of times in sales, you're not going to get the sale on the first meeting. Right. You have to follow up. You have to re-engage. Yeah. That can even be more difficult than the first call because you're going in the second time to ask about the conversation from the first time. It can be very intimidating. This is going to be one of the topics we discuss in the club, mm-hmm. the Entrepreneurs Club, big rocks versus gravel, mm-hmm. um, the important tasks versus the menial tasks that make you feel like you've done something productive, but really you haven't, and creating a master task list and really prioritizing those tasks. And one of the questions I'm going to ask the club is, for the long term, which type of of business idea do you think you're more likely to succeed in? The idea that you think is good or the idea that you think is hard? Mm-hmm. That's good. Because everybody has good ideas. They go around, they walk around town, they see people doing things, selling things, offering services and products, and they think they have a good idea, a validated idea. And so they pursue their good idea. But my contention is that the hard idea is actually more likely to succeed than the good idea because of this exact topic we're talking about. If you feel like something is difficult or it's a big rock and you don't want to do it, you're not the only one. Yeah. So if you can overcome these blocks, if these blockages, these obstacles, because the idea is difficult, you're not going to have as much competition. Right. Now I'm not saying choose a a hard idea that is bad, but whatever you pursue, it shouldn't be that easy. Yeah. Because if it is, then anyone can do it. Yeah, these are barriers to entry. And you did a good job bringing this out in the interview with uh, Click Apote when we were talking with Harjit. You asked him, how are you making your business defensible? How are you making it hard for somebody to just reproduce what you're doing or to just copy and uh, join the market after you? He has a really long head start, 
But he even said, you can throw money at, at a problem and you can build any software very quickly and, and catch up. So that was an excellent question and this is how business owners should think. I mean, when I go through the airport and I see uh, your client's paintings for sale, I might know other painters. There's lots of people that sell paintings. There's lots of artists out there that would love to have travelers purchasing them, taking them as souvenirs. But you had to go through this long headache process. That's why it took six months to do. And so there's a lot of painters that might think, well, sure, I'd love to have my painting sold, but I'm not willing to go through that. That's just daunting and intimidating and they won't even start. And so that gives you that advantage. That's a great example. Dries, who's the name of the painter, he produced 60 paintings two months ago. Yeah. And he still doesn't have them today. And he's still not going to get paid for them, best case scenario, in 30 days. Yeah. So a quarter of the year, he's waiting for payment on something he produced. Right. This is hard. Yeah. This is a huge obstacle, barrier to entry. Mm -hmm. This is the type of thing you need to look at when you're thinking about what business do I want to do. That also ties in with episode 37 about a side hustle or a side project. If Therese had another job, he could be painting in the evenings. You know, if he print, produced a few paintings a week, built up that 60 paintings while working another job, he wouldn't be dependent on that as a source of income to, you know, feed and clothe himself. Uh, and then over time, the, the payments would start rolling in from previous months and even years work. And then he could shift from his full-time job to doing painting. So that's another uh, plug for that episode about side hustles. All right, let's talk about choice number four. Rule your technology, don't let it rule you. I mean, this is something that we've talked about mm -hmm. several times on the podcast. We talk about turning off your phone, turning the sound off, turning off notifications, not allowing yourself to be distracted. Um, airplane mode yeah. on your phone or your computer. I'm not going to sit here on the podcast and tell you that I do this well. But I know that it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. We're all still maturing, we're all still growing in what we're doing. And I have started actually when I get home from work, I plug in my phone and I turn it off. I don't have it again until uh, right before bed when I check uh, to see if there's any important notifications. And then I leave it in the kitchen. It's in the kitchen. Yeah. It's not in the bedroom. Yeah. It's not the last thing I do for the day and it's not the first thing I do in the morning. Yeah. And so I have taken that step and it's allowed me to focus on these other things that we mentioned, the roles in our lives, husband, father, friend. Yeah. It allows me to focus on those in a more intentional way. Yeah, those are excellent habits. Those are really good. The basic idea is that technology can be a wonderful slave, an amazing tool to in increase our ability to do great things in the world or it can be a terrible master. It can be something that hinders what we can produce in the world because it's so distracting and it's so tempting and it sucks us into things that don't produce enough value. So it really comes down to how we choose to use it. And I love how your example shows that we can create an environment that sets us up for success. So whenever there's something that is a bad habit, it's leading us away from our goals, 
we try to make it as difficult as possible. We want to add friction between us and that behavior. And then the opposite is also true. When there's a good habit that's leading us closer to our goals, we want to try to set ourselves up for success by creating an environment that makes it as easy as possible to perform that behavior. So if you deem it a bad habit to spend all night, you know, switching from your family, your wife, to just checking on your phone, you've set yourself up for success where you've, you've put your plug in the kitchen. And so you get home, you plug in your phone, now you're on the ground playing with your kids, you're reading bedtime stories, you're tucking them in, and you don't have anything buzzing in your pocket. Someone, I might be sending you a, a message asking you about the podcast, what time are we meeting, but it's not interrupting you at all. Then you have a set time later on where you can go and reply to anything that's come up, deal with any urgencies, and then you leave it in the kitchen and you go to your room, you're reading a book, you're chatting with your wife, you're going to sleep in peace. You've set yourself up for success by making it hard to do bad habits and making it easy to do good habits. So same thing with my phone. Even if I'm at the office and I think, okay, I really need to get this project done. I need to create this presentation or I need to answer this important email. I need to analyze this data. I need to do something that's not easy and that's going to take a chunk of time. I can put my phone on airplane mode and I can put it in a backpack out of sight or even in another room and then just focus in, sign out of my email just for an allotted period of time. The world will not end in 45 minutes an hour and a half, I can get those things done or make significant progress, come back up, check, reply, deal with any crises, and then go back to that important task. And in the long run, I'm going to be far more effective because I'm making sure I'm getting the important things not done and not just handling little piddly messages that may not move the needle in the results I care about. Monitoring your phone all day can be tiring distracting, tiring. It's certainly not a source of energy. And for productivity, having adequate amounts of energy is essential, which leads us into our choice number five, fuel your fire, don't burn out. Let's stick with this example of phones. Our phones are capable of doing so many great things. I can FaceTime my mom over in Canada I can uh, send you a WhatsApp message and book an appointment. I can create a YouTube video, read an email and, and open up an Excel doc. All these great things I can do with my phone. But once the battery dies, it's a problem. And this, this is crucial. We know this. Now, we are that asset that can do incredible things, is very, very capable until we get burned out, until we get depleted. And we talked at the beginning of the episode about sometimes we get home and we have time. It's not that we don't have space in our schedule, but it's been a long day and we don't have energy. We're worn out. This, this fifth choice is really about taking care of ourselves in such a way that we can uh, perform at our best. And it talks about um, we need to move, we need to eat well, we need to get enough sleep. We need to have time to relax, do fun things, and we need time to connect with others and have relationships. And the idea with MOVE that I found really cool, I even actually shared about you in the class, was I know for a while you had like an alarm set on your phone because you found... Every hour. Yeah, you're sitting so long at your desk just in the zone 
that when that alarm went off, it reminded you, okay, I need to move, and you would do some push-ups, get up away from your desk. And when we were at Harjit's office from Click Aporte, he has a stand-up desk. So he doesn't sit while he's at his laptop or on his phone. He's standing, which keeps those major muscles and, and skeletal structures engaged. It actually increases your brain activity. Scientists say your brain works 7% better when you're standing. Um, but it just keeps you active throughout the day because again, the majority of us are knowledge workers and we can spend all day in front of a screen not moving our bodies. So this is separate from exercise. This is separate from you know going to the, uh, the football club and playing a match three times a week or going for a run. This is during the day, during the, the nine to five. How can we increase the movement, the activity, just even in the office? That's great, Ryan. Thanks for uh, sharing your, your expertise in this training. And of course, if anyone in the audience wants to have a team building session or learn more about the five choices, you can send us an email at ryan at moroccopodcast.com. And I'm sure Ryan would be happy to engage you and talk about proposal uh, for a team building or a training. Yeah. Can I just say that Franklin Covey has a YouTube channel where they share quite a lot of free content. Uh, so you can follow up with this and, and other courses that are available. But also if you know a company that would like their employees to be more effective, they can contact us, love to do that. And it can be done in French as well. You might be listening to this in English, but thinking, oh, we couldn't have this at my company because people don't have that level. We can present this content in, in French as well. We have a local office here in City Marouf and we'd be happy to, to come and meet with you about possibilities for training. You've been listening to the Business in Morocco podcast. My name is Ryan Kirk, here with my co-host, Ryan Maimon. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Download our entire library of podcasts on our website, moroccopodcast.com, where you'll also find extra resources related to each episode in the show notes including a transcript of the show. If you've got a question or topic you think we should cover on the podcast, fill out the form on moroccopodcast.com or email us at ryan at moroccopodcast.com and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Our theme music is Lovely Day by Bill Withers, used under Creative Commons, and we hope you'll have a lovely day doing business in Morocco. We'll see you next time. Hey.